Why, hello there. If you don't already recognize my sultry voice, this is DJ Art of the High Score 510 Podcast. First of all, I would like to thank you for listening to our show. Second of all, I want to remind you with a shameless plug of our Patreon page. Join our growing community and help support an indie podcast. The perks of being a patron, you ask? Number one, you'll get our weekly quick hitters. Number two, you'll get feature conversations that are too hot for our regular show. And number three, we cannot leave out number three, why Jesus will bless you. So go check out patreon.com backslash highscore510. And for the price of a tall pumpkin spice latte, you can help AG3 afford his Peloton subscription. Regardless of which, we appreciate your support and hope you enjoy the show. You are listening to High Score 510. Instead of bringing Steve back, they should have focused on like that relationship and then how that disintegrates during this whole monkey's paw, which was a big mess anyway. Uh, they, yeah, <laughs> they should have focused on that instead of bringing him back. It, that didn't make sense either because the fact that somehow this wish could put up a wall in the middle of the uh, the Great Now River, but yet he got to come back in somebody else's body. I don't understand yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> especially during the time of the '80s when there was all kinds of uh, worries about just sleeping with random strangers. <laughs> I, think, I, I, I think the I think the wishes stone the wishes stone thought that maybe Wonder Woman was black, and that's why they didn't give her a full wish like it did Oh my God. Else. It was like, oh, wait, wait, this a black person? What, not in Reagan's America, man, put him in that other dude's body. Oh man, they, you guys Everybody need to be else in the writer's room they for that one. You, they need, you all needed to be in the writer's room for that film. Oh. It would have been a very different film. Maybe yeah. watchable. Yeah. <laughs> Conor McGregor done? Do you think he's done? And should he have taken the Jake Paul fight before he got knocked out? <laughs> he can still take it now. He can still take it, but he's not gonna get fifty million necessarily. Jake Paul was saying, "Man, I'll give you can get. I got a I got an equity firm that's willing to put down fifty million dollars in, in money. Apparently, that's what Jake Paul said. I don't really believe that for but but um, no, nah, is is Conor McGregor done? Uh, or do you think uh, do you think there's something to be salvaged? I think he's done. We don't even have to talk about that one. We could say that one for another time. But um, since it just happened, I could also show you the show you the, the the clip of the knockout if I can get it up here. But yeah, uh, Aaron, like I was telling Jared, mm-hmm. well, I told you yesterday, it's gonna be it's gonna get minimal out of me. That's we usually I, get minimal out of you. We just be lying and acting like we getting good shit from you. <laughs> no, basically, you getting total minimal. Uh, I'm, get- I'm getting out. So sound like we basically getting out of you, which your wife normally get in bed out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Pedro. I'll fake it. <laughs> when it's all over, I'll just tell him, yeah, it was good for me. <laughs> when you when you uh, off the charts, yeah, that was good for me, Pedro. Do you feel it yet? Do you feel it? Exactly. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that a little better? Shit, I'm giving you all the regular sex I got. <laughs> but Pedro, man, you need to get some some beads and some oils or something. Because at least start with some candles. Well, let's see. That's as far as I'm gonna take it. I can be romantic. Didn't, didn't Teddy Bear grass turn out the lights? 
Yeah, that's and, uh, wait. What did he say? Did he say? Did he say light a candle? Did he say light a candle? Light a candle. He says light a candle. Yeah. See, you get get some of them. Uh, some of them. Um, what is it? Those uh, herbal or those uh, essential oil candles, on, he, Pedro? He wasn't talking about getting those scented candles now. <laughs> He's like, get one of them you know, candles he, your grandparents you know had in the plastic wrap. <laughs> them yeah, tall candles. Wrap yeah. plastic. Those tall ass candles. <laughs> yep. He basically sick and telling you how to burn down your fucking apartment building trying to make love. <laughs> Matt, you you sound like um, you have like a really like calming presence on the mic. You remind me of that. You know, remember the SNL skit with the women who would do their radio show and talk really calmly about about making food and other things, like the sweaty balls. Skit, but they had um, the sweaty balls. Yeah, the sweaty yeah. balls skit. And they they had no effect or no uh, emotionally. Oh my goodness, this is so good. I like. I really like this. This is so tasty. <laughs> Absolutely delicious. Uh, we were talking about scented candles earlier. My yeah. favorite. My favorite. <laughs> Pedro sound like the Cedar alien frequencies are coming shells. through. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, he'd be honest. Sound like he's at that alien just truck stop in Utah. Oh, we lost him. He'll come back in though. Yeah, Pe- Pedro over there. Like, man, that movie just came out on um, on HBO Max. I just saw the Charlie Sheen, The Arrival. That movie what? that came out, The Arrival. You're still acting. No, no, no. It came out in '98, but it was about aliens and and the arrival. And he's like, you know, he's basically an astrologist or whatever. He's working mm-hmm. satellites and listening for you know frequencies coming from space. Anyways. Man, if Charlie right. Sheen can work satellites, anybody can get one of those jobs. Man, you got to watch that movie. It was classic, man. I like that movie. It came out when I was in uh, middle school, high school, and I watched the shit out of that movie. Charlie All right, Sheen well, recently did an advertisement with his dad, Martin Sheen. Oh, yeah, I saw that. About uh, discount prescription drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's trying to... Wow, make... what a... <laughs> <laughs> he just segued right into there, huh? Man, hey, you know what? He gonna he, he, he can use him. <laughs> Singlecare.com. Oh yeah, that was the, I remember I saw that. I was like, and he's like, that's my line, Dad. I was like, <laughs> wow. Hashtag winning. All right, well, let's get the show started. Y'all ready to start the show? Uh yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought we started already. Yeah, we've been started. Yeah. Um well, uh, Matisse, um, I need a letter. You need a letter? Yes, a letter for my, my vocal warm-up, my tongue twister. P. P. Pomegranates, persimmons, pugnacious pandas propagating promiscuously. We have Popeyes. a new pop. We are also have a new Popeyes lady. There's a new oh one. God. Yes, it is. Yeah. Man, I don't even want to discuss that. Oh, <laughs> I need to see this. I <laughs> uh, don't even want to discuss that. It's been around for a couple weeks, dear. You don't watch enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't watch enough. I don't. I don't. I do uh, not. I give you that. I don't know. Could be a good thing or a bad thing. I, I'm. I'm gonna say it's a good thing for my mentals. <laughs> no, because you replace it with worse shit on the internet. <laughs> like it'll be fine if you didn't watch television. Like man, yeah, that's right. I don't watch that much television no more. I read. 
go work out, go for hikes. But no, you replace it by being on the internet at night on some crap, trash nights. <laughs> no, I just go on my conspiracy uh, IG accounts and my conspiracy Twitter accounts and see what they got for me each day. <laughs> I'll be sending Pedro some good stuff. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we probably need to stay. You need to put that Bill Gates and quick hitters. <laughs> oh, yeah. That shit, I don't know. We're going to see. Um, anyways, all right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the High Score 510 podcast. You can catch us at High Score 510 on the Instagram, the YouTube, and check out Hipster Horcrux Chronicles on the Twitter. Um, you can also email the show at highscore510.fans at gmail.com. And we are here with. Uh, this is a Aaron Grayson, also known as AG3, coming at you faster than uh, than all of my ex girlfriends writing articles of uh, articles of, impe- of impeachment on me. Uh, I got impeached out of relationships faster than you could count three. Are you saying I'm stealing? The man didn't say you're stealing, girl. Now come on over and sit down and shut the fuck up. You shut the fuck up, Benny. I would tell you to kiss my ass too, but you probably can't find it, you blind motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> uh, and we are here with. Hello, everybody. It's your family captain, Captain B Funk, coming to you from snowy Arizona. You want to go embarrass yourself with this thing? Embarrass myself, baby. My family. My children, my mother can hold her head up in any neighborhood in the city where she walks down the block. See, in all the five boroughs, I'm known. Forget about it. I'm known all over the fucking world. Anybody ask, anybody about Lefty from Mulberry Street. Forget about it. What movie is that from? That's from Donnie Brasco. Forget about it. That's what I thought, Danny Brasco. Okay. You asked me for that one, right, right, Aaron? Yeah, that's a great one. Forget about it. I'm Forget known. About it. I'm known. I'm known. And we are here with our guest today. Hello, everybody. I'm here to talk about scented candles. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. Therapy for the sound and the audio. <laughs> Man, Matt, it almost sound like you're making an ASMR video right now. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> this might help the listeners. This might, yeah. We're we gonna put. They might get some wrong ideas, but this is gonna help them. You gonna have to put them in the mood or put them to sleep. You, just, you know, people gonna be over here. All right, here we go. Let's see what we got for you. I'm gonna choose random color. It's me, Snow Bunny. I don't come in your jurisdiction throwing town picnics. Yeah, he is all up in mines, pimping hoes. It's just a kissing booth. Call it what you will. But Pope Sweet Jesus, it's taking half. You work for me now, how? Sure. Let me taste the goods. Put it on me. Greasy. Greasy. We back in business. <laughs> Greasy. Was that Norbit? What is that? That's Norbit. That's Norbit. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. That's, Nor- <laughs> that's Norbit. That's my, that's my son's favorite movement. <laughs> And my name is Jared, a.k.a. DJ Art, with two T's for a double dose of that tink tink. The D is silent, so it's just Jart. How much for an order of ribs? Uh, two fifty. Two fifty? How many ribs do I get with that? Uh, about five. Five? So I guess that's about 50 cents a rib, huh? Yeah, about. Okay, let me get one. Right on. One order. One order of ribs. No, 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 no. One rib. One rib. I sure am hungry. 
I sure am hungry. All right. Classic. Well, uh, welcome everybody, and uh, welcome Matt. Matt, you're here. Um, pleasure to have you. Um, Thank you. I guess we just we want to introduce you to the show a little bit. So, um, tell us what it is. What it is that you do? What would you say you do here? Sure. Yeah, I work professionally as an architectural designer, design buildings, and uh, I also. I'm very active in the uh, UC Santa Cruz community, uh, trying to advocate for the well-being of the, the students and the uh, value of the campus for the students as a uh, current board member for the uh, Alumni Council and try to stay active in that. I think that's important. Nice. Okay. Went, went to UC Santa Cruz, so I try to keep it real there. Yes. Yeah, stay, in, stay in tune with your alma mater. That's, that's a beautiful thing. I had a question about yeah. UC Santa Cruz. Yeah, Aaron, go sure. ahead. My question is this, are the students, I, I, I know from when I was in school in the mid nineties, are the students still, you know, I, like what is their main battle now? I remember like before, like the, the kind of politics of the school of the students was to legalize weed. So now that it's legalized, what do they do now? Is there like, I, I mean, are the kids in the surfing now or are they, are they uh, actually now they wearing suits and in the following stock market? Like I, I can't imagine UC Santa Cruz being, having a student population that's not fighting for legalizing weed anymore. <laughs> well, I think, you know, that's an interesting question. That's a really interesting question. Um, I, I admit, I don't remember the fight for legalizing weed when I was there. I think there were too many people embracing the opportunity to use it. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was when they, once they step off of campus and they're like, oh shit, it, I ain't free to use it like I used to be able to use it legalize it and i was like right. well it wasn't it. legal on campus either but no but you know, <laughs> it wasn't anywhere but uh no it's an interesting question because you're basically touching on the idea of activism mm. and people feeling committed to do something for the public good and uc santa cruz has a long history of that part of the original idea of the campus was to weave within this natural environment as you may be familiar the campus is a spectacular spectacular natural environments. It's about 2,000 acres on a 900 foot incline. And part of the idea was to weave these small residential colleges, almost like little mini um, liberal arts colleges within this forest um, and uh, around uh, different academic facilities. The idea being, being how do you create the intimacy of a small college within the resources of a large university. And one of the people that founded the university, Clark Kerr, Shortly after he got the opportunity to start planning it, became the president of the University of California. He was really attuned to what was going on at the time. And in the late 1950s, he was even part of a conference, a UC conference on the topic of basically how does the university grow uh, and expand academic access uh, within the context of competing um, economic and social demands. And in 1964, 65, was the Berkeley free speech movement. And, you know, a lot of people will sometimes, occasionally they'll look at UC Santa Cruz and say, why is there no central green or, or no central gathering place in the same way that there's, you know, Sproul Plaza or, you know, University of Virginia with like a big green in the center. And uh, Clark Kerr was very aware of the fact that at other universities, um, there was brewing discontent, this sort of feeling of being anonymous. And uh, he wanted to address that by how the university was designed um, to give students as well as faculty 
more um, authority and autonomy in terms of shaping and designing their education um, to help them be part of uh, really institutionally on a smaller scale communities um, and to provide that social safety net uh, for people in that context. And so the idea of UC Santa Cruz being with distributed colleges within the natural environment was really principled on that, that it was an antidote in a way to the kinds of social forces that made people feel anonymous that and isolated, creating conditions for people to say, hey, you know, we're just a cog in a machine. So uh, the motive, you know, the design of the campus has always been caught up in this idea of sort of giving people voice and agency. And interestingly enough, as times have passed, a lot of alumni, as well as a lot of students when they're on campus, have taken up some very social causes and advocated for things that they are passionately uh, believe in. And I think the design of the campus is essential to that. You know, you're to get from class to class, you're moving through a forest. You have to be sensitive to that ecology. You have to be sensitive to not only your view and perspective, both in terms of our, our mind, but also view and perspective of how we're looking at the world, as well as those of others. And the notion of there being these different residential communities, these colleges, these living, living learning communities, it's like each one's a little village. So when you go to visit another college, you know, I, I lived at Porter College on one side of the campus and I had a number of very good friends, Todd and Armin, and you probably know them. Mm-hmm. They, they lived on the other side of the campus. And so I would cross to the other side of the campus. And in a way, when you go to another college, it's like you're visiting another community, another way of life, another set of principles, another set of ideas. And the kind of confrontation of different views that that would create um, was, I think, for a lot of alumni and a lot of students, very um, revealing about how to ask questions about the world and how to view differences as something that can be learned from and that you want to, you really want to encounter differences. And so you ask the question of what are students, you know, basically being active about now? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, UC Santa Cruz, because of, uh, I think, these, uh, the way in which it was designed to try and give junior faculty and students um, authority over their own education and autonomy and self-organization, there's been a lot of pressure system-wide to try and centralize some of these impulses of self-authorship and collective and communal energy. There's been a lot of activity about that over the years, but this past year is interesting. Right before the pandemic hit the United States, there was a large protest effort um, that had started up. Uh, It really had begun the year before. Uh, And I'm not an expert on this, but it it was really quite fascinating um, and important. What was going on was uh, graduate students at UC Santa Cruz, and this ended up spreading to UC Davis, UCLA, UC Santa Barbara, UC Merced, UC San Francisco, literally across the system. Graduate students were saying, hey, the cost of living in Santa Cruz and, you know, in these other communities is too high. Yeah. We can't afford to live here. And, you know, there's some fluctuation in, in these numbers, depending on programs and which campus you're at, which makes complete sense. But generally speaking, graduate students, they're making about $21,000, $22,000 a year in, in salary as, a, as their, their labor, their work. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also, you know, taking classes and writing and doing things at the same time. And they're struggling to make ends meet. This, of course, is a huge problem across the state, not only with UC system, but also with the Cal State uh, programs where you have um, students that are homeless, students literally living in closets, by no exaggeration, 
um, students that are turning to housing opportunities where the landlord is saying, hey, I'm not going to rent a house to you, but I'm going to rent per head, you know, so you can yeah, bring wow. as many people as you want. You know, it's incredibly sad. Um, and it's just such an enormous amount of physical and psychological pressure on these students. And so the graduate students recognizing this, they had approached the university administration the year before, and they uh, said, hey, look, you know, we would like to request um, that you guys put together a cost of living adjustment or COLA as they were mm -hmm. framing it. And I think that it had happened elsewhere as well. So there was precedent to this. Um, and, but they were, they were asking the university to study this and the university was sort of like putting it off, putting it off and saying, you know, we're going to look at it. We're going to look at it. We're going to come up with some different strategies. And uh, the way I understand what happened is that the graduate student association, the, the student um, graduate student body governance uh, had some kind of organizing call with their, the people that they represented uh, collectively. And there was a collective impromptu decision to go on strike. That decision was to, as I understand it, was to withhold grades, you know, because what they do is they input grades in basically like an online spreadsheet or something. So their idea yeah. was if we withhold grades, you know, we kind of own on, hold on to something that we can use as like bargaining power. And, you know, I'm sure there's pluses and minuses to you know, how people debate whether one strategy is better than another. But it ended up having enough pressure that the university was like, I want you to stop that. Uh, long story short, protests began after that. Um, and the protests at UC Santa Cruz ended up spreading to protests at other, other UCs. There was enormous support. Uh, you know, if you go to their website, payusmoreucsc.com, it's an incredible website because you go there and there's like an unbelievable amount of articles that were written about this across tons of news media and publications in basically December, January, February, March of last year. And they go into an immense amount of detail. So there's tons of information, but long story short, the university was like, no, we're not going to deal with this. Eventually they said that they would provide something to graduate students as sort of like a, a type of a subsidy. I don't, I don't want to speak to something I don't really understand, but there was a type of a subsidy, but of course it was means tested. So only certain people could apply and you had to apply for it. Um, and so it wasn't something that everybody could take advantage of. And it was a small amount. And the graduate students were like, we still want a raise effectively. And um, the university was like, no, we're not going to do this. And there was pressure from the system wide to really close this up. You had the academic Senate, UC Santa Cruz, you had the system-wide academic Senate, you had professors at UC Santa Cruz, professors elsewhere in the system coming out and saying, we support these, these student workers. Um, you know, they're essentially uh, subsidizing the true cost of undergraduate education with their labor um, because they're being mm -hmm. underpaid. And, you know, the UC was like, no, you know, we don't want to do this. So uh, they ended up pursuing a lot of the student protesters that had been involved in this activism, there were a lot of police that came to the protest. There were drones that were recording it, you know, above them. Um, there was documentation of all kinds of surveillance. Uh, I think the administration put together a website asking faculty and undergraduates to essentially um, uh, root out which uh, you know, tell on or snitch on mm -hmm. uh, which graduate students were involved in this. Um, and you had professors and academics and 
you know, people saying, whoa, this is not cool. Well, you guys need to stop meeting the, the administration, like these surveillance techniques and coercion techniques are really not okay. And, uh, you know, they ended up pursuing uh, all kinds of disciplinary charges on a lot of these students and surprise, surprise, you know, a lot of the students that had serious disciplinary charges were people of color, but uh, it was really intense. And so I think, you know, to get to the heart of your question, students are definitely speaking up and yeah. they are uh, deeply concerned about the rights of their fellow people um, to live and to thrive, um, particularly under all the pressures of austerity in our world today. Um, and, you know, a big recent event was these uh, protests for the graduate students, uh, you know, yeah. basically so, getting raised. So what you're saying is they're not, they're not fighting for weed being legalized anymore. They're fighting for this. I'm fighting for my life. Donald Trump has been impeached a second time. My question is, is this necessary and even worth it to impeach him a second time now that he's out of office? Uh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I, I mean, seriously, I mean, it's like, you know, I think one of the things that, well, there's so many things about what happened a couple of weeks ago that were just unbelievably horrible. But I think in the case of uh, acknowledging what he did, uh, you know, he should have, he should have been booted from office a long time ago, but obviously he's, he's an expression of a lot of problems that have been going on in this country for a long time. So he's not alone. He's not the only person are only anything that is an expression of white supremacy. So, you know, impeaching him, locking him up, it's not going to solve those problems. You know, it, it, it feels good. It will look good too. And I think it's necessary, but it's not going to solve those problems. But I do think they, they need to follow through with it because in a way, and I, I'm a little split on this, but I think, it is an expression of state power. That's ultimately what it is. And it's the expression of the state saying, we're not going to, we're not going to allow this. This is not acceptable. You know, it's not acceptable for somebody was, well, shouldn't be acceptable for anybody, but acceptable for somebody with such immense power to be the ringleader of such an incredible an insurrection that was driven entirely by lies and falsehoods and conspiracy i mean in a way you know i i'm not big on the idea of saying all right let's just all bow down to the great state power but i think in a way you know it is important for the united states to make this point they got to say this is we're not going to tolerate this it is it is incredible with trump you know he just get get away with one thing after another mm -hmm. it was like zero accountability and then even at the end there you know finally twitter banned him and then all these other companies started banning him. And a lot of people had legit criticism of, oh, well, you're doing this right at the end. So it didn't cost you anything. You know, you're just doing this for some kudos points now, you know, bravo. Um, and that's true. You know, these companies made a lot of money off of it. Um, and I think, you know, one of the ways in which that works is a lot of these, and, and this maybe is a contentious thing to say, but I think a lot of these uh, news networks, um, that are centrist or uh, liberal, leaning liberal, they continuously talk about Trump, continuously talking about Trump. Trump this, Trump that, we hate Trump, Trump is evil, blah, blah, blah. It just goes on and on and on. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this, like, 
you know, obviously this is an issue. We know that this is an issue. We know that these networks make a ton of money off of drawing people's attention because of Trump. But mm-hmm. what is another attribute of this? And I was thinking, I was thinking on that thread of like gaslighting, specifically gaslighting black people, gaslighting people of color. And what does it mean when you have these powerful media networks continuously talking about a white supremacist? Well, mm-hmm. they're, they're giving it airtime. Yes. It's in a way, is a way to talk about white supremacy without, without saying the word. Mm-hmm. It was a way to say, here, look at the picture of the SWAT sticker. But we're, we're not going to talk about what it means, but look at the picture. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, I don't think that was, I, I highly suspect that that was not their intention. It was like a Trojan horse of white supremacy, just to keep I mean, it. I think, it, I think that was the effect. I don't think I don't. And I mean, who knows? But I think it's highly likely that the people, the producers, and all that, the the, the showrunners, the uh, the hosts, I highly, highly doubt that was their intention or goal, or even maybe ever contemplated. Mm-hmm. But I think a, a true factor of of the reality is that that is what was going on. Yeah, you know? there's been there's been some studies about how the you know, people watch the news, especially the the negativity and news that just is telling you all bad story after bad story after bad story, um, begins to burden people's psyche and 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 increases their stress levels, whether they realize it or not. And so you get people who watch the news, and there's been no good news. There's been no, nothing, nothing that's more informative as to what's going on in the world other than just the bad shit. And all of a sudden, people come away with it feeling informed yet stressed even more and, and, and even at a heightened, you know, sense of emotion or their, their mental state is not um, more at ease. And so I think that that could be something that uh, you could say was part of that coverage that we keep covering how bad he is and it's sensational. You know, you kind of drawn to it, just like you're drawn to, to just, you got to see what happened in that explosion over there. Cause you want to know, you don't want to not know, but you also know that if you go see what happened, it could traumatize you. And it could be a very small, like a scratch or a, a breath of traumatization, or it could be a very brutal, uh, you know, devastating hit of traumatization based upon what it is. And I feel like it was just small winds and breezes of traumatization just blowing on you a fan just yeah i mean to to, i guess one thing i would add is i have been pleasantly surprised at the executive orders that biden has issued thus far Mm -hmm. obviously there's a heck of a long way to go yeah there's no question he's not off the hook yeah but i have been pleasantly surprised but i don't think those would have necessarily happened if it wasn't for the efforts of hundreds of thousands of protesters and activists uh, and advocates um, and organizers uh, pushing over the last four years and, and longer than that. I don't think that would have necessarily happened. Does he have to re- pull back the Muslim ban? I mean, I think most people all even forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Forgot mm-hmm. it probably even exists, still going on. Mm-hmm. Did he have to do that? You know, I mean, you look at you can look at past administrations and how many policies continue from one administration to the next, and people yeah. just forget about. Yeah. You know. Shout out to but, the 1776 project they were trying to pass. Right. Right. Oh, yeah, that was something else. I, I mean, I think Biden's team did what they did with those executive orders, and hopefully there'll be more because of because of immense pressure. Okay. Okay. Aaron, what about you? 
we we definitely wasted more taxpayer money doing less, right? I'm in agreement with Matt where, where yes, it doesn't solve anything, right? But I think it's needed and should be done. Should have been done the first time around and get, he shouldn't have been in office after the last, the first impeachment. But my reaction to a lot of people when they would be like, oh, did you see what Trump did last night? I'm like, why are you surprised, right? Like we're at the point where, why is it even news anymore? Like my mom will watch it and get so riled up. And I'm like, why are you watching it? He's just going to do something or say something that's going to upset someone in this world. Right. And it's not like one of those people that, oh, my politics are just different. And it might upset some people. It's like, no, 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 no. He's just inflammatory towards most people of color, uh, most people of intellect, all people, you know, majority people of color, majority people with any kind of an intellect and any kind of good nature, right? And so it was like, why give it that energy? I always say, why give it energy? If you just ignore it, yes, he's not gonna go away, but then we take away all the attention we get. Like, it didn't have to be Fox News, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't, like I used to say in the past, like there were racist people on radio back when radio was a hit. Don Imus had his fucking show. He was a misogynistic bigot, right? But I didn't ever wanted it to leave. I didn't want a show to get censored because I'm like, the biggest go to his show and then all the rest of us go to where we want to go and have what we have. Let the biggest talk and get this shit out the way. And then I don't have to hear it in person. Right. They have a place for their bigotry and I'm fine with that. Right. I'm fine. I'm not going to change their minds and don't want to change their minds to who they are. Cause I won't trust them. But when you give something so much life, we kept breathing life into his idiot, his idiot, idiocy, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that wrong. But uh, we, kept, we kept breathing life into it with news station, with friends of mine who people are calling me. Oh, did you see what he, and I'm like, what, what can he do to surprise me? There was nothing that he, nothing surprised me after like the beginning, the first, even after his campaign in the first few months of him signing executive orders and holding them up. I'm like, there's no surprise anymore. By the second year into his presidency, there was no surprise. And it's mm -hmm. like, we got four years to make it through this. We will. It won't be easy. And then let's do what we need to do to get them out. And then, you know, and then to me, when the Capitol insurrection happened, I was like, this is even better. I was, I was like, I was deeply disturbed. But at the same time, I was like, this is even better right now because this is, he's basically done. He's done. For, I was really thinking like, you know, he might run again in four years. He was but probably going to get a library until the insurrection not, not if he yeah he probably well well you know that all comes out there yeah he had a chance you're right he would have been able to get a library in certain cities now that's even gone like he has to go to some small ass town he's gonna go to the sovereign zone of qn in theories he's like we're gonna yeah, build you a library he has to be on the opposite side of signal michigan to get like like one of the that's where his library is at now at his best library will be in a bunker somewhere yeah there. yeah Seriously. like um yeah. yeah i agree So that's why i say go ahead and go with it you know for a lot of people and i had a lot of friends and people that were like man you see what he said like you're saying Aaron, you see what mm -hmm. he did do you see oh man this is gonna be the end from here or this is the man that's bad this they they might really i was like they're not gonna do anything they they control this the republicans control the senate He's a deflection enough of the things they want to pass and the things they want to manipulate 
within the Senate right now. And and I'm as much somebody who distrusts corporations as I distrust the government. So like there, but there's an importance for both. So we need to get to a more enlightened and a more balanced representation of uh, a free economy and a, and a government, you know, that is empowered and valued in our country. And that's something that I think has been our cynicism around it has been, you know, flipped up on its head multiple times to where we don't know who to trust. And, and he's somebody that, Shout out to RCL2, my brother, who, you know, said like he came into office saying spouting fake news, fake news. And now it's like it's part of the common American vernacular. It's like that's that's how much he embedded himself into us. And so for me, I was like, I was like, I don't want to 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 even like incorporate what he says, because I know he's already bad. I already know he's he's a he's a narcissistic man. He only cares about himself. He he he's a jerk off. He he presented himself as a jerk off. He is a jerk off. So as much as anything he can do in office other than like kill somebody or what you know, me and Matt went out to one of the rallies when he almost put us into a war with Iran. Like if he's doing things that are gonna put, you know what I'm saying, Americans uh at risk in the way that is like people getting killed. I know kids were getting put in cages, but that was something that was going on before he got in office too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying our immigration got better, but I'm also saying our immigration wasn't great to begin with. It wasn't perfect. Um, so these are things that we're working on, but all this stuff about what he's doing, I'm like, there's a lot of things that we have to see were already happening in the process. There's a lot of things that we've progressed from that were way worse than him. You know what I'm saying? So as much as he is a lightning rod, as much as social media had built people up into, you know, f- focusing and, 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 and just being caught up on that shit show that was going on and that circus act, that reality television show. I was just like, there's 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 plenty of better things that we've progressed from or th- bad things that we've progressed from to get to here. And this is a step backwards, but we can't focus on this as though this is a beacon of the ills of our world because the ills of our world have been in perpetuity throughout. They have been a common theme that we've been trying to hopefully work and progress from. Is he taking us back from those things? Is he putting up new barriers that we have now have to re-jump over or new barriers that hadn't been put up yet that we have to now navigate in it to continue that progress? Yes, and that sucks. He's a terrible human being, but he hasn't done anything that's gonna get him out because they control the Senate and he is their meat shield for everything else they want to get. So it was one of those things where I was like, fuck, like it sucks, but let's not give him that power. Let's start, try and ignore him if you can. It's fun to talk about. You know, SNL did a funny skit about what are we going to talk about now that he's not in office? <laughs> it's like, I don't have any, me and my friends have nothing to commonly agree on. Like, so yeah, like fuck that fool. He's a shithead. He's an idiot. He can eat a dick, but he's gone. You know, um, the one thing I will say is that I feel like Trump is a, prime example um he is the friends of social media censorship that's what i will say <laughs> i generally don't know what that means well the friends pushed us into you know reality tv you oh, know okay. and so now okay. he pushed us into social media censorship that's what he got is. it yeah pedro what do, you, what do you think about this uh this impeachment is it is it necessary should we follow through with it or not it is it is unnecessary wait a minute no 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 it is necessary. I don't know about law, but we have to convict this man. This man needs to go to jail. He's done a lot to create um, a lot of capitalistic power. So you can't, you know, you can go to government and just change whatever you want to do. Uh, if we're going to keep a democracy, we got to make an example out of here. But I want to come come around to the point. Uh, I want Joe Biden to work on global warming because this shit is pissing me off. <laughs> Dude, I, I was on Highway 17. You guys can Google this on news. 
they literally shut down Arizona as I was driving. So I was headed up to Grand Junction, and I got shut down and turned around by the DOT because it's a damn blizzard out here. So y'all getting a blizzard and California ain't getting shit? Yeah, crazy, ain't it? We in them <laughs> times. Uh, well, Matt, thank you for joining us, man. appreciate your time and your uh, your thoughts on things. It was a, it was a good chat, and, um, you know, we look forward to having you back on some other time, maybe chat some more yeah, things. Thank you very much. It was good to talk to everyone. We also want to, yeah, at well. some point, at some okay, point, I want to talk to you. We want to talk to you. Oh, Pedro's eating wings. We want to talk to you about some the 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 4D no. uh, videos at one point. <laughs> I have to apologize for my audio, man. I'm sorry. I had so many questions for you, but I have to catch you. No worries. We'll talk again. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it again. We'll get it another time. But um, yeah, man. Have a good night and thank you again. All right. Yeah. Hope you guys have all night. have a good evening. All right. Yeah. Bye. Thanks. Right. See you later, Matt. The NFL season is nearing its end. As the Super Bowl is now set, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Green Bay Packers of Wisconsin to advance to the Super Bowl. And in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs defeated a surprise contender in the Buffalo Bills to advance to the Super Bowl. My question is, what are your takeaways from the NFC and AFC championship game? Or were there any takeaways? And um, who you got in the Super Bowl? I'll start with AFC. AFC... It was exactly how I thought was going to happen. My boy, Patty Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes boy, came through. Like usual, they just coasted. Did you know they've only punted once this playoffs? They've only had one punt. And they have controlled the clock. They've showed that you could you could make, you could pass the ball and control the clock. Quite amazing how well they do in controlling the clock. Kansas City's coasted this whole year. NFC was exactly how I thought it was going to happen, too. Your boy Aaron Rodgers is going to get up there and lose another NFC title game. This is Jared, this, I'm a Green Bay owner. I'm mm-hmm. one of those people. You know two Green Bay owners, me and Duck. And I told you, they didn't, they didn't get my royalty because I had to pay money to get into this ownership to get that one stock of Green Bay that I can't sell. You heard me tell you before, they didn't buy my loyalty. I bought part of this team, but they didn't get my loyalty. They got to prove it. And since I bought into the stock, they have not earned crap. They couldn't beat the Niners. All those years, they couldn't beat the Niners. They didn't beat the Cowboys, really. They won on paper, but they didn't really win that game. Don't bring so that really, up. <laughs> if we really think about it, they really, Aaron Rodgers, well, he, his legacy is this. Good quarterback, I don't see. You always see Aaron Rodgers do exactly what he do. Which, when he got an easy slate and he's going against, when everything goes right, Aaron Rodgers looks like the best quarterback that ever put on a football pass. When everything's going right. That means the blocking, the play calling. He's very moody. His play is moody. You've never seen Aaron Rodgers pull out a game and where shit's not going right. Like, I want him to do what I see Tom Brady do, what I see Russell Wilson do, what I see Patrick Mahomes boy do, where everything goes to shit in the game, whether it's my fault, no matter who fault it is, I'm going to win this shit. Aaron Rodgers never does that. He's on his side. And let me tell you, nine times, 13 times this year, things went right. So this game, he had every opportunity, right? They go down, they get, they're back in it, and they look like, oh, Aaron Rodgers has a chance to finally prove what he has never done before, right? Let me go out here and battle through. Let me go out here and battle three. Tom Brady throws three picks. The first pick was at the end of the third, and then he threw two in the fourth quarter. Tom Brady did not play well, but yet Aaron Rodgers did not respond to a single one of those picks with the score. He didn't respond. And then at the end of the game, he just didn't have the feeling. I heard Michael Vick talk about today. It's like, man, he's like Aaron Rodgers. He kept forcing it inside. He's like, 
dude, that side was wide open. And like, I don't know, was it he was it the sacks that kept him from feeling that he could make it? Like he had no problem. He had less space than that with the the game against the Rams, which he ran a touchdown in. But guess what? Everything was going right against the Rams. Why? Aaron Donald couldn't even lift his fucking arm. Aaron Donald couldn't play. You could tell by the third snap of that game, you could tell Aaron Donald was not the same Aaron Donald. A guy who had to, who got double teamed for almost 80% of the plays he played on. Never, ever done. Not Lawrence Taylor, not Reggie White. No one. 80% of the plays, they didn't have to double team him. So you knew he wasn't healthy. And mm. guess what? Aaron Rodgers runs in the touchdown in which he had no space. But everything's going right. So he's, you know, discount double checking, doing his thing. Mm. So it went exactly how I wanted. I thought it was going to go once Tom Brady reached Aaron Rodgers in the game. Mm-hmm. He looks like a really great quarterback that won a Super Bowl, which we expected him to do, right? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, a really great quarterback, <laughs> won a Super Bowl like we expected him. Won one Super Bowl like we expected him to do. Yeah. I want you to be able to carry a Super Bowl later on. And Aaron Rodgers only been to one. That's the problem. He's only been to one. Patty Mahomes is already in his second Super Bowl. Should be in his third, but thanks, D. He Ford. should be in his third, but this is his chance. So this is so leading into my Super Bowl prediction. This Patty Mahomes, I got Patty Mahomes winning this. And I got, because let me tell you, when it comes to beating a dynasty, you don't, you don't, you, you, you take it from a dynasty. I saw the Niners take it from the Cowboys in the 80s. My brother-in-law, I didn't see it myself, but I was old enough when it was still budding and the 49ers was at rolling into the peak of their dynasty. And my mm-hmm. brother-in-law told me then, this is when I was getting into football. He said, you know what, Aaron? He said, the Niners took it from them. You got to wrestle a dynasty from somebody. And guess what? Patty Mahomes is in position. He's going to wrestle it away this next two Sundays from now. Okay. Okay. Uh, Pedro, Pedro, any takeaways from the uh, ASC and NFC championship games? And then who you got in the Super Bowl? Yeah. So uh, I did notice that. Uh oh. Should have went first. <laughs> Han should have shot. Han shot first, and Pedro should have went first. My takeaway was Josh Allen ain't ready for that for that smoke just yet. But I saw him grow this season and make steps that I didn't think he was gonna make uh, at mm-hmm. least this early on. So I gotta give him kudos because I, I dogged him. I, I was talking shit about him. So I'll give him some credit for for be looking like a much more composed quarterback that can make throws that you know were some nice throws down the field he's got an arm to do it does he have accuracy and the 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 mind to do it so um but 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 but, do you think that offense is a little gimmicky though it's talented and it's well coached but he reminds me of the offense that the the washington football team ran with with rg3 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like it's a little gimmicky still no, I think well, my my main thing is that I saw him throw throws down the down the field down the seams at yeah. times that I was like those are that's professional quarterback oh, he throws. Has, yeah, he has and so, he has the strongest arm. And 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 and, and compared to Mitchell Trubisky, who had <laughs> success early on because he had a great defense and had a had a, a head coach that Sean McVay himself uh, into you know maximizing his potential for that year, they were able to make the playoffs. And Trubisky, but he throws like, a lot of one yard and zero yard passes. They do. He has he has some scat back I mean, type receivers. A lot, a but, lot. But but it, it, the the main thing is like if he can extend plays, if you can extend plays like Russell Wilson or Roethlisberger and learn how to yeah. do that, then you can then you can make uh, more efficient throws down the field later on. But but the main thing yeah. is is that I saw him stand in the pocket and have better pocket presence than what I saw the first couple seasons. Um, yeah. And so I got to give him credit for 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 developing that skill set or growing that skill set. The other thing I'll say I will say this is Tom Brady's most talented offensive 
team that he's had. It is in it his is. career. So as it much is. people want to be like, man, Tom Brady's the goat. More I'm talented like, than the Randall Moss and uh. You remember? Wait, he played one of those seasons. Yeah, no, he balled with Randy Moss. But but you think about who he had? Oh yeah, Corey Dillon, Randy Moss. No, Corey Dillon's gone. It was Randall. Who was the tight end on that team? It was Randall Moss. Uh, the little the little wide receiver from that came over from Miami that went to Denver. Wes Welker. Wes Welker. If you look at the the talent he has, he has Mike. Not, not, no, 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 nobody is as good as Randy 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 Moss was, right? Mm-hmm. But if you have a one two punch and Antonio Brown, you got Mike. You got Mike uh, Evans and. Uh, Chris Godwin, who have proven to be plus and really good receivers in this league. And you have uh, A.B., who's you've been working in since, you know, week t- 10 or 12, whatever they signed him. And you got Gronkowski back. And you got O.J. Howard, who is a top. He's, he's out. Top he's been out the whole year. He got hurt. I saw him in a game recently. You didn't see that. He was back. Oh, anyways, then they then they also got Leonard Fournette, who was, you know, what I'm saying the next McFadden, who was the dude who was like, you know, surefire pick. I'm just saying, on paper, he has the most talent on him around him in this team that he's ever he had. Does. So, you know, he should be a, about where he's at right now. But um, for me, I'm gonna take the the Chiefs. I don't want to take Brady. I'm hoping Brady loses. I hope yeah. Patrick Mahomes takes away. Uh, this title from him says, I'm the next great one and I'm going to win six or seven titles to put you in second place. That'll be tight. I'll root for that and the Cowboys maybe to win a couple games here and there. My boy, Patty Mahomes going to do it, Jared. He going to do it. Watch, they going to watch. You giving giving your boy Andy Reid, we know he's like ridiculous off of buys. You giving him basically a buy because there's no game next week. He going to scheme this shit to death. Expect Tyreek Evans to have uh, your boy Tyreek Evans is going to have a big-ass Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill is going to have a big-ass game. I'm talking about 200-plus total yards. I expect him to get a run, some runs in. He's going to be out really wide. They're going to really scheme him wide to really make this defense play more of the field. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put it on Sammy Watkins. Is he still playing? Here's the thing. They lost both. They, uh, they, lost, they lost. Well, he was on the team. I don't know. Man, Hartman looked good. So the <laughs> – the thing is, when you got Mahomes, he make everybody out there look good. So put the speed on the field. This Tampa Bay hasn't seen the speed yet. Like your boy Devontae Adams, I finally see. This year showed me why why your boy Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson was crying. Mm-hmm. Watch it. Just cry, man. It's artwork, man. It's, it's, it's art. It's a masterpiece. The dude is a route runner extraordinaire. I ain't seen no one run routes like that since Rice. Rice, T.O., and Devontae Adams run some of the best routes I've ever seen. But he ain't got the speed that this – Kansas City about to put on that field. That defense, look, the Niners defense was 10 times better than what this Tampa Bay defense is and consistent. They were good and they went out there and they got it done. Then they don't get it done. And just to let you know, OJ Howard tore his Achilles tendon in week and uh week four, Jared. Oh, shout out to OJ Howard. Uh, October 6th, whatever week that was. Come on the show, man. Come on the yeah, show. It was week four. Week four, he tore his. I told you, I was like, no, you didn't see him recently, but out the whole year. Oh, that's maybe the last time I watched the game. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, my next question for you is Was this Aaron Rodgers' last best chance to win a second Super Bowl and cement himself in the same vein as Peyton Manning or a John Elway? For me, I feel as though there's there's tiers of quarterbacks, and you have Tom Brady and Montana up there that have won the titles and the games and just been, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just consummate goats of what people will consider. And then underneath that, 
you have like the Peyton Mannings, you have the John Elways, you have the Troy Aikmans, you got the Drew Breeses, you got the Brett Favre's. Um, there's various quarterbacks that can fall under that category, Dan Marino's, but the titles also, you know, add a certain level of like this cements you above yeah. them. Not only did you have a great career regular season, um, but now because you have a title or a second title, not just one, you are for sure going to always be kept in that top five consideration, which I yeah. think that Aaron Rodgers could be, but without a second title, he'll probably be more than likely left Even out. Like of. Drew Brees, just a guy to get a lot of stats, a lot of great numbers, you know, Aaron Rodgers numbers are unbelievable. Look at the numbers he put up this year. He is the MVP from this year, but when it came down to Shaboom, he missed Shabank. I feel like this. I, I agree with you. There's this, there's like kind of a tier system. And I feel like that second title gets you more legitimacy. I don't know if I get Peyton Manning that credit because this second title, you know, I would have gave Peyton Manning that credit if he won a second title the year they played Seattle in the Super Bowl, right? Mm. Because he, the offense, he couldn't do nothing with that offense. They basically got shut out to the very last. They scored at the very end of the game, the offensive touchdown at the very end. That would have gave them a little more legit, gave Peyton Manning for me legitimacy because he, that would have been like, that's the greatest defense of this era, right? Is the Legion of Boom. He has a second title, but that second title came during his worst year of his career. He retired at the end of the year. He had to retire. If they didn't win the title, he had to retire at the end of this year. His neck was all tore up. Man, it just hurt my own neck talking about that. Uh, <laughs> the same as like with Aaron Rodgers, that second title gives you a little legitimacy because the first title, yes, you won. You're a Super Bowl quarterback, but there's a lot of things around it. Like, did the team get hot? Did it just have a great year? Did you have a lot of veteran presence? Now, this second one would have been like, yes, Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he led us to the other one, but he led us to this one, right? He's in the, in the prime or past the prime, but he led us to this one. And that's what the second title gives you. And for Aaron Rodgers, I, I feel like he hasn't even had, he hasn't put his team in the play. Dude, he lost to Alex Smith and the Niners in the playoffs. That one gets me every time. That was when I was done. Well, I really was done when he lost to Cap in the regular season. And Cap started his first game against Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And mm -hmm. he dusted them off. And then, I, then they played each other in the playoffs. And what did he do? Dusted them off then. And I was like, oh, God, he's going to lose again in the play. Can he beat the Niners in the playoffs? Can he at least give me that? And he couldn't do that. I think he's going to be right there with, like, Ben Roethlisberger. That's where he's going to fall. Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger. Is he better than those but, two? But Roethlisberger got – yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he's better than those two, but Roethlisberger got two. But Roethlisberger has two titles. So then so then I, I don't know that Roethlisberger <laughs> is, is necessarily better no, but the second one legitimized Roethlisberger. But it legitimized Roethlisberger one, as being the a first top. one was all about that running game. Remember, he didn't even throw a touchdown in the first Super Bowl. Yeah, your boy uh, Fast Willie Parker. Fast Willie Parker balled out, and your boy Antoine Randall threw that touchdown. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he he went into it, you know, having a wide receiver who played quarterback in college throw more touchdowns than it. But he came back in his second one, shot it out with Arizona, and legitimized his claim. Yeah. Well, then here's the thing: it's like now. Aaron Rodgers, I would consider him better than Ben Roethlisberger, but Roethlisberger has two titles. So arguably people are going to be like, well, Roethlisberger's got the two titles. There's something to be said about like, you know, him, him taking advantage of this opportunity. I think that if he doesn't win a second title, which he needs to win um, to be considered one of the great greats, like the great greats, not the, like the champ champ and great great, like yeah. he's got to be considered one of the greats of all time because he's been that good. But when we start differentiating and finding those little layers, kind of like my my vendetta quotient, you dif you you differentiate the elite from the good. You know, like how can uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers do that? 
And for him, a big part of that is trying to get that second title. And if he can't get that second title, he'll be just, he'll be like a better version of Brett Favre, in my opinion. But Brett Favre will always have, you know, more wins than him unless he can win, you know, another 60 wins in the next several seasons. Which Brett Favre has that many more wins? Brett Favre got 186 wins, career wins. Aaron Rodgers has 126 career wins. Which is crazy because Brett Favre had years where he didn't make the playoffs. I think for him to be considered the best quarterback to play for the Green Bay Packers and to be considered a top five quarterback, he has to win another title. Cutty Corner Shoutouts. Cutty Corner Shoutouts. Cutty Corner Shoutouts is the segment we end the show on. Each person gets a chance to rant, complain, or highlight something positive that they want to, um, you know, check in on and, and give shed light on. So, Cutty Corner Shoutouts. Cutty Corner Shoutouts. It's time. It's, it's time. Aaron, do you have a Cutty Corner shout out? I do. I do. Now, I was close to being that new Popeye's lady. I'm telling you that right now, Jared. Like the last couple of weeks, I've been holding on to that. But I, but you know what? There's been enough going around that it's not the new Popeye's lady. My Cutty Corner shout out this week goes out to the NBA and the NBA Player Association. They are in talks right now to have an all-star game after announcing there would not be an all-star game all during their planning to the beginning. It was going to be a week off or a week and a half or two weeks off where they would play makeup games, this and that. Now they're in talks of having it this year in Atlanta. Dude, we are in this pandemic. I don't know if you know this, but it seems like there's been twice as many basketball players that's tested positive for COVID than any of NFL football players or teams, teams that have a hundred personnel has had less positive COVID tests than the NBA players, right? First, you first your players griping about the deal that you guys made on new protocols. Who was that the other week complaining? George Hill talking about this and that. I'm a grown ass man. If I don't see my family. Grown ass man talking about you can't tell me what to do. Paying the millions to do this. Then you're gonna go out, out of all places. Places that didn't never close strip clubs, didn't close things. You're going to go out and have an all-star game there. What kind of symbol are you sending your fans, right? And what are you sending people like me who play fantasy basketball and have yet to have a full lineup since the first week? Fantasy basketball has been trash, man. I got players on cold, like test positive for COVID, mandatory 14 to 21, 21 days off. Problem is they've been, some of them been sick, so they ain't been able to come back. I'm playing my fantasy team. I lost to Jarrett this week. Jarrett was one of the worst teams. He was in last place. Thanks to playing me in fantasy basketball, he in sixth, fifth. No, eighth place. I'm back to eighth place now. So he still didn't pass me up, but it dropped me all the way. I had nobody play this week. Jarrett, you had almost as many, uh, you had almost as many field goals made than I had attempted. That's how many players I didn't have this week. Everybody's game has been postponed and canceled. I've had players not play all week that don't have COVID, you know? And here's the thing. Someone's like, oh, it's fine, though, because you're going to make it up. You're going to make it up when we when, later on when they do the makeup games. You'll probably catch up somebody. No, it does not necessarily, because for the players of mine who got COVID, they don't get to make up games. Their games were played, right? So I just, I'm, lo- I'm losing out. 
And so NBA, think twice before you always want to put yourself as this very socially conscious league, right? But we're socially conscious. We wear hoodies. We wear hoodies. We don't play games. We talk about things. We put shit on the back of our jerseys. I put, I put, I can't breathe on the back of my jersey. But guess what, NBA? I couldn't breathe the other day. You know why? Because I was gagging while trying to burp and while having on my sleep apnea machine. But you don't see me putting on the back of my fucking shirt. I'm over there feeling like I'm Philip Seymour Hoffman of myself, right? In my sleep. And you don't see me putting the back of no shirt and going to say, oh, man, I'm socially conscious. I got let me be me fight oppression. Good. I believe in all that. We should be fighting oppression. I'm fine with those symbols. Don't host no fucking all-star game in Atlanta if you want me to know that you're fine with it, too. Don't be greedy. They host the all-star game in Atlanta and have all kinds of beautiful negative going on. <laughs> they gonna have that. Pedro, do you have a Cutty Corner shout-out? Okay, so my Cutty Corner shout-out goes to Blizzards. Damn you, Blizzards. Um, no, my real Cutty Corner shout-out goes to the Detroit Lions uh, for hiring that coach. I don't know his name. <laughs> Dan Campbell. Uh, Dan, Dan Campbell. Campbell. He was a mediocre blocking tight end. <laughs> Me, he was a bad blocking tight end. Yeah, he was very mediocre. <laughs> he got okay. brought around just to block. <laughs> okay, so did he get six years? Did I, did I read that somewhere? Did he get a six-year contract? <laughs> and he's uh, a rah-rah guy. And he, he ain't no X's and O guy. He's a rah-rah. He looks like a broke-ass Bill Coward. <laughs> Why the hell are you giving that man a contract like that? And all these qualified coaches that are proving, all these assistant coaches that are proving, they got Tom Brady over. Tom Bowles got Tom Brady to the Super Bowl again. <laughs> okay. Tom Bowles by himself. Uh, Leslie Fraser shut down, um, although he couldn't do it against Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes is um, the next coming of uh, white Jesus, I guess. White <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but, but you know, um, um, Leslie Fraser got to coach them up at the end of the season, shutting teams down with his defense. Got another coach. Teddy Bridgewater, not Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, reimagine moment for that. Uh, what's his name? Brian Leftwich. Brian Leftwich got Tom Brady's noodle arm to the Super Bowl. Uh, Brian Leftwich, obviously some type of brilliant mind. He got Tom Brady back to the Super Bowl off of doing uh, avocado ice cream. <laughs> and and you see all these bright minds, all these coaches. And you hire this, this. Dan Cam, some idiot, knee-gnawing, uh, knee-biting, uh, dirty hit, play-after-the-whistle-ass rah-rah coach is. So, Detroit Lions, you get my cutty-corner shout-out. That is despicable. It is an outrage. You hear me? Yeah. go through? Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah, D- Dan Campbell is trying to be their new Mike Singletary. He, they, 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 uh, Dan Campbell on cocaine. They're like, can you beat up the players still? All right, we can have you be the head coach. He can still fight. <laughs> That's the way he made it seem like. Yeah. yeah, he's like, he's like, he came out there trying to sound like my boy. I want people that want to win. <laughs> I want people that want to. You know, they drove off. You know, they drove off your boy Calvin Johnson. So you know that 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 team is dysfunctional. Yeah. He's like, we're gonna bite one knee off, and then and then you knock us down. I'm like, wait, wait. 
how many times you gonna get knocked down before you got to get back up and continue to take chunks out of them? I'm like, bro, like, like that don't sound right. Like, number one, I don't want you to knock me down, but it just in the happenstance that you do knock us down once, maybe twice, not a third, fourth, and fifth time. Like he's like, and then we're gonna go back down again, and then we're gonna get back up. And they're gonna knock us down again, and then we're gonna get back up. And I was like, bruh. I was like, scratch you in your eye. I like you need to game plan better. Game plan better so that you don't have so you don't go down so much or get some blowjob Nike so you can stay on your feet. (laughs) 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 That's right. Blowjob Nikes. Shout out sponsorship. My Cody Corner shout out goes out to uh the, the real home run king. Bonds, Bonds did his thing. I'm not going to hate on Bonds. He did steroids when everybody else was doing steroids, so I kind of gave him credence. But the home run king, Hank Aaron, who did it in a time um, of, you know, still great racism and great bigotry in our country, um, in a time when, uh, you know, there was – there was he was in the South. He played in Atlanta for a portion of his career. Uh, how, how long did he play for uh, the Braves? Uh, for a majority of his career. They were also in Milwaukee at part of it, though, too, before yeah. they moved okay. to Atlanta. But he also played in the uh, what was it called the South Southeastern Atlantic uh, Atlantic League. So he was like the first black player in that one that AAA minor league system out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was all in South Carolina and Virginia, and a little bit of North Carolina. And that was a racist ass league. I heard that's all you heard. Like he really like set the fourth standard there, and had to battle through a lot of racism down there. Yeah. And and he came in playing you know playing ball. I, I uh, shout out to Todd sponsorship. He sent me a. A Reddit link that had his original scouting report um, as, eight, as an 18 year old, uh-huh. and oh, wow. um, you know he didn't play baseball in high school, um, so he had to you know he kind of was picking up the game later on you know more so and playing sandlot ball apparently. But for him to you know pave the the way pave pave the path he did and pave the the career he did and and pave the way for other people after him, I think that we need to keep that in mind. A lot of you know, a lot of the media nowadays, our social media and our and our polarization of of where you need to stand on things, has um, made us lose sight of certain things. And shout out to the Prof Life um, for doing his work with uh, King of Paradise sponsorship. I also saw something that he was talking about um, with uh, somebody, a guest, and they were talking about just like the the sacrifices that have been made before us, and to always be grateful for those because it wasn't about being able to access this, that, and the other nowadays. It was about just being able to live right. Or just being able to represent yourself and just be able to be in a space and feel comfortable to a degree that we can feel comfortable nowadays and express ourselves to the degree that we're allowed to, whether it's perfect, whether it's 100 percent, that is that is still the work that needs to be done by the next generation. But the fact that we can get to these places and get to these spaces and have the opportunity to not feel threatened or be beaten or murdered um, for even wanting to be there was paved by way by by people like Hank Aaron. And so um, I want to give him a shout out. And uh, ask for some Alabama boy. He's from Alabama. Yeah, give us some sponsorship on the show with that good juju man. You know, uh, a great man uh, in many regards, and uh, did some great things that 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 allowed other people to in the sports world and in the regular world to continue to express themselves uh, in spaces that otherwise might have been you know challenged. So shout out to him, sponsorship, and uh, to everyone who thinks he died from his COVID shot. Let's save that. Let him be laid to rest, and let's let Come the on, autopsy. Let's let the op- Bradley Bills. Girl, wife came out and said some shit. 
she be saying some crazy shit. She's the next Miko Grimes. That's all I would say. Maybe she might be. (laughs) Her Miko Grimes. You know, they got this like black QAnon thing going on. You know what? It's funny. I should have made them my shot. Sorry for cutting off your cutting corner. I should have made them my cutting corner. Because they got out there. They'll sip on fucking E water, E40's nut water, and sip on all that shit. Oh, I'll drink Ciroc and E forty's nut water all day, but I ain't taking ain't gonna put no microchip in me. You gonna let these white people control you? No, fuck them. Fuck Bradley Bill wife, Miko Grimes, and all the black people who are sitting out here pushing this theory. No, no, I can get on the people of other races that's pushing theory, but I'm black, so I don't want to start here. Stop mm-hmm. pushing black folks are dying left and right by this disease, and these fools are up here making up bullshit about this goddamn vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. I'm, I'm if it wasn't for vaccines, just... your ass will have bow-legged legs, not because you lying down in bed and letting all these players rail you. You have bow-legged legs because, because you have polio. I agree with Aaron, Aaron with that. It, it's it, Like I said last week, it's starting to weigh on relationships. I'm like, I, I had enough. You, you guys are just too reckless with your words and everybody listens to the celebrity. So you, you know how people just out here dying because everybody's listening to the celebrity word. They think they got, they got to find somebody to look up to. I'm so sick of black people being sheep. I'm sick of it. Literally dying, you out here dying from COVID and you guys got all these conspiracy theories, y'all out partying. Look at Bow Wow. I wanna smack this shit out of Bow Wow. <laughs> Stupid ass nigga. Yes, I said nigga. Don't edit it. Well, uh, that is our show, my friends. <laughs> Shout out to Conspiracy Theories Gone Wrong. We should do a Conspiracy Theories Gone Wrong episode. We can find Conspiracy Theories, theories that have gone wrong. I gotta, I gotta get my Polar account set up before we can do that again. <laughs> Shit. I need to read some of that bullshit. I was like, yeah. man, did anybody screenshot the parlor accounts for us so we could just go through man, those pages? Man. Just send them to me. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, you think it ain't affecting white folks? I just found out today I don't even have a transportation team because they all got COVID. <laughs> you know what you Uh-oh. should do, Drive that truck through their house so that way it could be like that fourth Transformer movie when Optimus Prime is that rusted ass truck sitting inside a movie. Come painting. on. <laughs> no fucking reason. Shout out to Michael Bay. Why the fuck is there a rusted ass semi truck inside a mo- old movie theater? Inside. Here's <laughs> decrepit. What? There wasn't any greedy capitalists who were holding on to it who checked it periodically or were How did it get it? inside yeah. a movie theater, Jared? It, it, it was a small ass <laughs> movie theater. Shout out to Michael Bay for being an idiot. No, it, had, it, had more, it had mortar shells in it, too. It had mortar shells. <laughs> you just had aliens in the movie. Something. The third movie, aliens wiped out half of... Alien robots wiped out half of Chicago. Nobody's questioning this fucking truck with mortar shells in it. Uh, you know, Michael Bay was given a lot of uh, a lot of leeway to a creative license. So let's just... We know that if, if, if he were able to shoot Pride and Prejudice, there would be exploding castles in the background. And probably a robot, you know, uh, killing somebody. So it is what it is. Um, aside from that, uh, thanks for listening to the show. Any final words you guys have? Um, well, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. Man, I can't believe this. I ain't even had dinner yet, and it's nine o'clock. <coughs> yeah, I'm about to go cook dinner too myself. You know, you food. usually eat about this time, don't you? <laughs> hey, if, if anybody's, uh, if you're listening to the show live, go ahead and check out the radar for Arizona. This is stupid. 
the what the weather radar? Yeah. I keep Dude, it on my phone, I Arizona, because just... I like making fun of you when I, when I wake up in the morning. Pedro over here in Die Hard 2 going on right now. Yeah, man, the dude, it was snowing in Anthem. The ground was white in the Anthem, Arizona. Pray for Pedro, guys. Pray for Pedro, and thank you for listening to our show. Uh, make sure you ch- check it, check out our Patreon page at uh, patreon.com backslash highscore510. You can hear our Burnt Ends extended conversation with Quinn Perry, our guest from last week, about her roller derby time, some more stuff about movie reviews, and uh, also we talk a little bit about Hamilton. So, uh, yeah, uh, check that out. Otherwise, aside from that, have a wonderful week. Stay blessed, stay healthy, and we will leave you with this. I started off as landscape architecture oh. until, until they throw all the weed out the weed out classes at you. You know those early architecture classes, Matt. When you get into them, and like by the time you get to like the second and third class, and you got to like draw something or design something. Well, the beginning ones they want to work on your drawing skills, so they send you out. You're just drawing like hours and hours and hours a week, more than I studying for my other classes. Sitting out there for hours drawing one damn hall, right? And it's crazy because it was a project that I did really well, one of the earlier projects. And they're like, oh man, this project, you should have spent like six hours drawing it. I can tell you spent like 20, that's all bad. And give me like a, a low grade, it's typical architecture. Like next thing you know, you got a C on it. And I'm like, what the fuck? I spent 20 hours on this thing. Then they tell me to go draw South Hall on Cal campus. Most people spent at least 20 hours on that hall, right? I drew that shit quick. I mean, I might've spent seven, maybe eight hours. You know, people, you see all the architect students out there at the big ass hard boards are sitting there. They got the nice four H pencils. Man, I was like, I'm not gonna get caught out here and seem dead with you guys. You got that Crayola? <laughs> Man, I took that shit, put it on the wall the, the following Monday, right? Where they grade you in front of everybody, which is also another horrible thing. That's that's like, hey man, it don't take no respect right. to where you right. come from and how you like to do it. And I spent four hours I on it. Like that. Well, that <laughs> that's because you was drawing. Like uh, <laughs> well, here's the problem. Well, I put my picture on the wall, four hours on it, didn't even connect all my lines, nothing. And they start talking about, oh, they really like the gestalt and how I opened up the building by not collecting this line. I was like, motherfucker, I just just didn't have time. And they're like, next thing I know, I got an A minus on some shit. And I'm like, you know what? This might not be for me. You know what it is? It's like, let's say I was born and I played basketball my whole life where I competed against somebody or I had a time or something. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, they say, hey, this is how we're going to judge your basketball. You go out and run up and down the court for 48 minutes to shoot the ball, and we're going to have these judges score you on it's something that's challenging educational environment. You know, there's different opinions on it. There are some folks that really don't uh, advocate strongly against um, the traditional studio environment and yeah. the jury-type review. Um, I'm a little biased because I enjoyed that, um, uh-huh. but I completely sympathize with the criticisms at the same time. Yeah. You, did you enjoy the grading part of it or the studio I environment I enjoyed it part? all. I, I like you know, the show where you kind of stand up in front of people and you get a little performance. See, you probably were a good artist. See, here's the thing, Matt. I went in there drawing like, like up until that point, I was still doing stick figures, right? Mm-hmm. 
you know, like I didn't know how to draw. Like, I mean, and then here's the thing. You sit in there with dudes who are straight artists, right? Like, it seemed like you, you're, you're into the history of design and those aspects. Some of those dudes were just people who parents told them you can't go and be an artist. Like they should have been in some artistic school. You know, they really wanted to go to school and take like some artist school or something. Claremont College of Artistry in Southern California. I think but- you raise an interesting point. You definitely raise an interesting point. Right? So when I went to architecture school, uh, I uh, didn't, you know, formally study design um, yeah. in undergrad. So, you know, I, I didn't have the skill set, the technical skill set that some of my classmates had. Um, so, I, you know, I sympathize with that. And you, you go there and exactly what you're saying, you know, you, you see people, it's like, oh my God, they know all the ins and outs and how to do every little thing. Um, yeah. yeah, they can draw with their eyes closed, man. Aaron, I think, I think you forgot though. When you walked into them halls trying to be an architect, they had to remind you. You're a black, you're a black boy. <laughs> Everybody was so, so competitive that like even the stuff that you're not supposed to spend hours on and they tell you, oh, okay, we're going to work with Foam Core and build a project. And you're in there and you're like, all right, let me finish. I was like, all right, let me get ahead on this. I'm going to go to studio on Thursday. It's due, most projects would do Monday for us, right? So I would go to studio like I really get serious on Thursday. Didn't really work on it on Friday, but Saturday I'm going to spend. Saturday going to be my overnight. And then you'll see people that sit in there and they, they're like, oh, I haven't left here. I live here. One dude had his toothbrush, everything. And I was just like, you know what, man? My, my life can't be this way, man. Architects, <laughs> I can't do this, man. He was like brushing himself. I was like, why are you brushing your teeth here, man? It's a dirty ass building we in. You've seen the College of Environmental Design at Cal. Whoever invented that, whatever architect built that, designed that, they need to go ahead, find his body, and, and put lay the fingers on the ground and put a piece of metal over and step on it because that is a poorly designed wow, building. Man, and, it, and it felt horrible to be inside of it. That's the thing. I'm like, did you, it was this part of design? Look, I got more out of that college just the fact that the elevator didn't stop on every floor. One of the floors, men's bathroom had a glory hole. First time I ever seen a glory hole was in there. <laughs> I bought all my friends some doors, man. You got to see this, man. I ain't never seen We talked about it, but let's see what in person. And the, the College of Environmental Design uh, made it very clear. I cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. They, Worcester they, Hall. That's the name of the building. Worcester Hall. Horrible. They, they, they got it in Latin that says, I want winners. On 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 the outside, they want people that. I don't remember if if William Worcester designed that building or not, but uh, a lot of really interesting buildings in the Bay Area. Hey, you know what, Matt? See, here's the thing, Matt. I'm not. I'm, I, I'll talk bad about dead people. So you could grab up William Worcester, whoever designed that shit that's falling down, that's sinking into San Francisco. Uh, we could grab them all and just throw them all in one hole. Dude. <laughs>